Hi friends, Brooke Boone here, and I have the privilege and honor of speaking with a dear friend of mine and a friend of the ministries, Tyler Johnson, uh, for this series of Going Deeper deeper podcasts. Um, We're going to be talking primarily about original design and then a little bit on servant leadership, but I have a feeling that our conversations will go off track quite a bit because that's the most fun thing about Tyler Johnson, is that one thought, one statement leads to a million thoughts and a million statements. So I'm excited to have you with us, and um, we'll look forward to exploring these podcasts together as we go along in the next couple of months. So thanks for being here, and let's get started. Hi, Brooke again, back with Tyler Johnson. Loving our conversations. Thank you, brother, for being here. Um, just got back from retreat, from Holyoke Retreat, and I said day one, um, it's my intention that we, uh, I said that we would, leave, we would live in embodied faith. And I said, by show of hands, how many of you understand what I mean when, they say, when I say that? Like what, what, and there was like nobody that was brave enough <laughs> to raise their hand because really like embodied faith. If I were to say that to you, what what does that conjure up? If I were to say, Tyler, embodied faith, what does that mean? Well, this is going to sound either cynical or arrogant, and I don't mean it to, <laughs> but it would it means faith. It's the only kind of faith we can have. And this is where I don't want to get too philosophical for a minute, but the reality of a lot of the different philosophies that happen have happened throughout the ages and how um, many people in the church and by the church I just mean the believing people of God have bought into lies that aren't what the Bible teaches is this idea that I can have a faith that's only conceptual in my head or only spiritual in private and the Bible leaves no room for that faith is faith and we are people period and so you could we add language to help people understand it um, in the sense of going, we're whole creatures. And this is all true. We are whole creatures. But the reason we need to say whole is fundamentally because bad ideas, and I really do believe this is a result of sin, in the fracturing of sin, is we break people down into all these categories when God's just going, love me with all your everything. Like, I'm going to help you. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So it's heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if we're just people, period, And then we're people with faith. We live out faith. So the faith that's real in the Bible, a real faith is a living faith. And living is embodied, just means in your body, that that's this faith. What I do with what I believe Mm -hmm. is shows what I have a faith in. So whatever we're doing all the time, whatever we're speaking, whatever we're thinking, whatever we're acting is ultimately what we have faith in. And so these are why these things are so disruptive all the time of when people ask you to check your calendar or check your checking account or check like these things display ultimately what we worship. If you're willing to use that word, what, what you have faith in. Um, and so embodied faith really is this faith that we just live. It's a lived faith, but it's such a powerful phrase because it's taking out it's taking a, a quote unquote faith that's being been taken captive to say it's just about what you believe. It's it's how you could pass a Bible study exam. It's what you do only on a Sunday morning. Do you go to church or not? And it goes embodied means 
what do I do that's not in my body? Okay. So I'll take one. I don't want to take too much no, time no, here. No, but no, I, one, one of my favorite passages about this is in the book of Romans, chapter 12, the first verse. And it's a pretty famous passage if you've been around the Bible at all. If you haven't been, it certainly wouldn't be famous. And um, But it's an <laughs> important passage. So Paul's just done all of this work on what Christianity ultimately is on the basis of what God's done in the world. And then he says, um, therefore, brothers and sisters, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. And I'll always stop and say, if I said to a group of people, what's spiritual worship? Everybody would have this kind of disembodied reality of, well, it's me in a corner with a cup of coffee, my Bible and Jesus, or it's me with my eyes closed singing worship songs. That's spiritual worship. They immediately take spiritual as non-earthly. And I'll say, okay, but he says present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So then I'll say, what is it that you, tell me something that you don't do in your body. And then the whole room will get super quiet. So what do you do in your body? And everyone will kind of laugh. Like, Everything. Like, you sleep in your body, you brush your teeth in your body, you drive in your body, you walk in your body, you work in your body, you do everything in your body. So what's Paul saying? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He's going, spiritual worship is bodily worship, Amen. period. Amen. So good. Well, yes, I like. I think I have something to interject and then I don't have anything to interject. <laughs> um, I feel as though there is this, um, at least in my own experience and estimation, just in studying when the, when the Lord tells us to love us, love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, there's distinct, obviously, representations of the fracture. Like when we were born, we were created in the image of God, a fully unified, complete and whole, all shalom. The, the garden happens, the infraction happens, disruption with God, disruption with man, but also disruption with self because they were created in the image of God. And so now there's this fracture, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Jesus comes and says, listen, all of it matters. So when I think about an embodied faith, I say it's more of a collective spiritual discipline of collecting the totality of my fragments. Because yes, the Lord holds me together. Everything holds together in him, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I have a discipline to seek. I have a choice every day of my life, whether to seek God or to seek my flesh. And what am I, what am I being discipled by? What, am I, what is my faith coming alive to? What am I holistically, heart, soul, mind, and strength, what's intersecting all of those different things? So I feel like an embodied faith is a disciplined faith and not not one that would say, you know, I'm going to beat you into submission, but a, it's not a submissive faith. It's a very active and powerful faith, but it's in conjunction with the one who can, who can actually intersect the parts of myself and reconcile those. So um, I feel like the embodied faith is a, uh, is a disciplined one in seeking, you know, I, I use this language a lot too, holistic sobriety. Like, I, I want to be sober in my mind. I want to be sober in my spirit. I want to be sober, you know. And I, I think back to the, the Paul thing, present uh, our bodies as a living sacrifice. What's, what's, that's your spiritual act of worship. When we say heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, the spiritual body, uh, the soul is, the, is really the spiritual experience. And I was saying at retreat the other day that God, you know, he created in a singular 
Genesis says it's a singular God who created all of us. And so he has, he's the only one because of a singularity that can gather all the fragments of heart, soul, mind, and strength within us, right? Because he has this capacity to create diversity inside of his unity. So the soul experience, I was saying, this is the image of the spirit breathed into you. It's unique to you. It's the part of you, the God-born part of you that desperately needs God. That's the soul, right? And so that spiritual act of obedience and that spiritual act of worship is to say, I present it all, no matter who I am or what I'm doing, where I am in the world, right? So so embodied. And and that's where, too, I do think it's important to say, I'm not saying there isn't distinction. So even in a human body, Paul picks up this idea, your hand is not your ear. Right. So it's not that these things aren't, like the mind is not, your bodily strength. So when he says heart, soul, mind, and strength, but you're one person. So right. these things are working, and we know this more and more with all the research that's going on in brain science and even even things where yeah. the way people talk about your gut now. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things, you're one person, and they all. Yes. So the question is, what is the integrating person? I loved what you said before is that bringing it to the one who made us whole creatures, he is the integrating factor. Right. He's the one that brings us all together. So that's a, that's a fantastic, mm. fantastic statement. Thank you. Well, out of time for this one, but stay tuned. We're coming back for more. Thanks, Tyler.